couple missionaries by the names of Ilir and Kate Cami are missionaries to Greece. And there's a large population of people uh, in Greece who are refugees from other areas. And there was a guy that they call M. Uh, there's a road that goes up through Greece, and it's called the Refugee Highway. And this guy named M lost everything in an earthquake in Iran, earthquake of 7.45 on the Richter scale. And he made his way up the Refugee Highway and, and got to Athens. Uh, and uh, he was tortured by the question of why something like this would happen. What, what was going on? Why did this happen to him and his family? He was curious about all the crosses he saw on the Orthodox churches in Athens. All of these crosses, everywhere he looked, he saw crosses. And he wanted to know exactly what he was seeing. He wanted to know what it meant as he looked at all these crosses. Him and his family were all Muslims. And he was staying with some relatives there in Athens. Uh, and he was uh, starting to question what he believed. He was starting to question what Christianity was all about. And he came across these missionaries. And they began to share with him the gospel. And they talked about uh, who Jesus was. And he started growing in his faith. At night, he would take a flashlight and hide under a blanket and read his Bible. Because his family forbade such a thing. He wasn't allowed to read his Bible in the house. He finally made the decision after coming to faith in Christ that he was going to be baptized. He was all excited, but he kept the plan to himself because he didn't want anybody to find out because he knew what would happen. He would be in trouble with his family. So on Sunday, May 7, 2006, he set his alarm for 6 o'clock a.m. He was going to spend some time reading his Bible and praying that morning before he went and was baptized. So he stays up he, I'm sorry, he gets up, he was going to get up early, 6 o'clock, but his cousin discovered the plan and woke up before him, put a pot of water on the stove and boiled it. And before M woke up, he went in with the pot of water and threw it on him, scalding his arms and his legs. M woke up in pain and agony, and he made his way to the church where this missionary couple was, and he was baptized anyway. And this is what he said. I want to read to you what he said. He says, no matter what they do to me, I will love Jesus. No matter what they do to me, I will love Jesus. And after his baptism, he said he felt like standing in the middle of the city of Athens, shouting, I belong to Christ. We have been talking on Sunday mornings about stories from the book of Acts. And today is my all-time favorite story from the book of Acts. It's, we've been talking about stories that we know, stories uh, from the book of Acts. Every summer, I preach the same sermon series. I preach a sermon series about stories from the Bible, famous stories from the Bible. And we've been talking about these different stories. And today, we're going to talk about the story of Philip and the Ethiopian eunuch. And I, like I said, I love the story. It's my, it's my favorite story in the entire book of Acts because of what happens. It's, it's a great story, and I can't wait to share it with you. But we talk about these stories that we know. Uh, two summers ago, we talked about stories from the Old Testament. Last summer, we talked about stories from the Gospels. And this summer, we're talking about stories from the book of Acts. Um, and uh, what we're going to do is, if you've got a Bible, I want you to turn to Acts chapter 8. I want you to turn to Acts chapter 8 as we talk about spreading the good news and what it means to spread the good news of Jesus Christ. 
First thing we want to talk about, first thing we want to talk about is who was, who's, who's the main characters in this story. And the first character that we come across in Acts chapter 8 is Philip. And we want to figure out who is this Philip guy. Well, Philip, like last week we talked about Stephen, right? And Stephen was one of the seven who were chosen to distribute food to the Greek Jewish widows. Uh, the Jewish widows who spoke Greek. So Stephen was one of the ones who, who, who distributed food to them, and Philip was another one of the seven who was chosen. He was full of wisdom and full of the Holy Spirit. Talk about filled with the Holy Spirit. <laughs> filled, with, filled with spirit is right. That's awesome. Give a holy shout. Um, so Philip, Philip is one of the seven full of wisdom, full of the Holy Spirit. Persecution breaks out against the church in Jerusalem, and the uh, disciples are scattered throughout Judea and Samaria in, in result, uh, in fulfillment of the prophecy that Jesus gave about how the disciples, the apostles, the disciples, his followers would be his, uh, they would be his ambassadors, they would be his representatives, they would testify, they would uh, witness to those who were in Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. So the church is undergoing persecution. Disciples spread out throughout Judea and Samaria, and one of those disciples who spread out, who went out from that place, who was dispersed, was Philip. So Philip goes to a place called Samaria. He goes up, and he goes to a city in Samaria, and he starts performing miraculous signs and wonders, telling people about Jesus, telling people who Jesus is, and we're going to pick it up there in Acts chapter 8, verses 9 through 13. It says, now for some time a man named Simon had practiced sorcery in the city and amazed all the people of Samaria. He boasted that he was someone great. And all the people, both high and low, gave him their attention and exclaimed, This man is the divine power known as the great power. They followed him because he amazed them for a long time with his magic. But when they believed Philip as he preached the good news of the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized, both men and women. Simon himself believed and was baptized, and he followed Philip everywhere, astonished by the great signs and miracles he saw. Peter and John, the apostles, go down, to, uh, go up to this city. It's kind of north of Jerusalem. They go up to this city in Samaria, and they go to check and see what's going on. They heard that the people in Samaria had accepted the message that they were becoming Christians, and so they went up there to investigate the matter, and they discovered that the, the people in Samaria hadn't received the gift of the Holy Spirit. They had only been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. They hadn't been baptized in the name of the, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. So they lay their hands on these new converts, and they're filled with the Holy Spirit. Simon sees this, the sorcerer sees this, and he attempts to give Peter and John money. He wants to buy the gift of the Holy Spirit. And this is what happens. Peter and John not happy. Peter answered, May your money perish with you because you thought you could buy the gift of God with money. You have no part or share in this ministry because your heart is not right before God. Repent of this wickedness and pray to the Lord. Perhaps he will forgive you for having such a thought in your heart. For I see that you are full of bitterness and captive to sin. Then Simon answered, Pray to the Lord for me so that nothing you have said may happen to me. Peter and John then go back to Jerusalem. Philip continues to preach. Then we get to my favorite story. The story of Philip and the Ethiopian eunuch in Acts chapter 8. Love this story. Philip, an angel of the Lord comes to Philip and says, Philip, I want you to go down to the road, the road that leads to Gaza. It's south, south of Jerusalem. That's exactly what he does. He goes down south, and uh, he meets this, this Ethiopian official. Who is this guy, this Ethiopian eunuch? We don't know his name. 
We know that he is an official in the kingdom of Queen Candace of Ethiopia. We know that he is in charge of the treasury. He is the treasurer. This guy is important. He is a high-ranking official in the kingdom of Ethiopia. And he's in his chariot, and he's reading. He had been to Jerusalem, for he was a, he was a believer in God. He was an Ethiopian convert to Judaism. He was in Jerusalem worshiping, and now he's on his way back home. We get to Acts chapter 8, verse 30. Uh, verse 29, the spirit told Philip, go to that chariot and stay near it. Philip ran up to the chariot and loved that he runs over there. He heard the man reading Isaiah the prophet. Do you understand what you're reading? Philip asked. How can I, he said, unless someone explains it to me. So he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. The eunuch was reading this passage of scripture. It's Isaiah chapter 53, verses 7 and 8. He was led like a sheep to the slaughter, and as a lamb before the shear is silent, so he did not open his mouth. In his humiliation, he was deprived of justice. Who can speak of his descendants? For his life was taken from the earth. The eunuch asked Philip, tell me, please, who is the prophet talking about himself or someone else? Then Philip began with that very passage of scripture and told him the good news about Jesus. So what, what the eunuch was reading was Isaiah chapter 53, a prophecy some 400 years before Jesus was born. And what he was reading about was Jesus Christ. So what does Philip tell the eunuch. The Bible says simply that he told him the good news. Well, what is the good news? What is the good news? We're going to talk about that in a little bit, but let me give you a little preview. See, in order to understand good news, you've got to understand bad news, that there is bad news. For you and me, there's some bad news. And that bad news is that we are all sinners. We have fallen short. We have missed the mark. We have sinned against God. We have disobeyed him. We have done what we shouldn't do. We have not done what we should do. The book of James says that if, you, if anyone knows the good that he should, should do and doesn't do it, he sins. So if we do the things that we're not supposed to do and we don't do the things that we're supposed to do, we're sinners. That's the bad news. The even worse news is that as sinners, if we are sinners, and the Bible clearly says that we are, and Romans 3.23 says that everybody has sinned. If we are sinners, and yes, we are, the bad news is that the, the even worse news is that sinners don't go to heaven. You can't go to heaven if you die in your sins. If you are a sinner, if you are an unforgiven sinner, you go to hell. That is the even worse news. That's the worst news that you could possibly ever hear. That is the most horrible, awful, terrible thing someone could ever say to you is go to hell. It's the worst place. It's, it's the worst possible outcome of your life. It is the worst possible destiny. If you are a sinner, you are doomed to an eternity separated from God in hell. That is the bad news. Romans 6.23 says, the wages of sin is death, eternal spiritual death. That is what you get for your sins. But, there's a but, okay? See, there's, there's bad news, but there's also good news. And the good news is this. The good news is that there is a free gift. Romans 6.23 says, but the, the free gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ. See, there's good news that you can have eternal life. You don't have to have eternal death. You don't have to go to hell. You can go to heaven. You will go to heaven if you will put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. The, uh, Philip that told the Ethiopian eunuch the good news. 
He shared with him the good news. And the good news is the, the person in Isaiah 53, Jesus Christ, the one who suffered and died for our sins, gave his life so that we could be free. We could be forgiven. We could go to heaven. We could have eternal life. In the book of Hebrews, it says that without the shedding of blood, there can be no forgiveness. And that God was not happy. He was not satisfied with sacrifices of animals. In the Old Testament, they would sacrifice animals for forgiveness, but they had to do it all the time. They had to, it was continuously going on. Year after year after year, they had to make sacrifices. When Jesus Christ came, he lived a perfect life, sinless in every way. He did what he was supposed to do. He didn't do what he wasn't supposed to do. Jesus was perfect in every way. And when he died on the cross, he was the perfect sacrifice for our sins. The perfect sacrifice. He shed his blood. Remember what it said in Hebrews, without the shedding of blood, there can be no forgiveness. He shed his blood so that we could be forgiven. The blood of bulls and goats is not effective in taking away the sins of human beings. Only the life of a human could take away the sins of humanity. And Jesus was the perfect, blameless, sinless, unblemished sacrifice that took away our sins. That's what he did for us. So that John 3.16, the verse that we all know, you see it held up at the football game. What does it say? For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. That verse is true. I believe that that verse is absolutely 100% true, that if you will put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, if you will believe in him, that he will forgive your sins. It starts with faith. It starts with faith, but it doesn't end with faith. We are saved by God's grace through faith in Jesus Christ. But the plan of salvation has more than just faith. We're saved by grace through faith. We are saved by grace, God's grace, this free gift of love that he has given to us. We have to believe that Jesus Christ died for our sins, that he is the only way to be saved. John 14, 6, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. In Acts chapter 4, verse 12, the disciples said, There is no other name under heaven that we are given by which we can be saved other than the, other than the name of Jesus Christ. We can only be saved through Jesus. Romans 10, 9 and 10 says, uh, Acts 2, 38 says that we have to repent. We have to believe and repent. We have to turn away from sin and turn to God. It means that it's a change of mind. It's a complete change of attitude that I am no longer going to live for sin, but I am going to live for God. I am going to live for Jesus. We have to repent. We have to confess. Romans 10, 9 and 10 says that if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified, and it is with your mouth that you confess and are saved. And we are. So we believe, we repent, we confess, we are baptized. Acts 2.38 says, repent and be baptized, every one of you, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Be baptized, every one of you, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. That leads us to Acts 8.36. Now, how do I know? How do I know that Philip told the Ethiopian eunuch that he had to be baptized because of the next words that come out of the Ethiopian eunuch's mouth. As they traveled along the road, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, look, here's water. Why shouldn't I be baptized? Look, here's water. Why shouldn't I be baptized? Evidently, in the first century, when Philip told him the good news, that included baptism because it doesn't say anything that he told him the good news, and then he told him to be baptized. It just says he told him the good news about Jesus. 
And then the next thing out of the eunuch's mouth is, look, here's water, why should I be baptized? And he gave orders to stop the chariot. Then both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water, and Philip baptized him. When they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord, I love this, suddenly took Philip away. And the eunuch did not see him again, but went on his way rejoicing. Philip, however, appeared at Azotus and traveled about preaching the gospel in all the towns until he reached Caesarea. So, what do we do? When it comes to the good news of Jesus Christ, what do we do? I believe that there are three things that we learn from this passage. There are three things that we learn from Philip that we need to do with the, with the good news of Jesus. That's why the sermon's called Start Spreading the Good News, because that's what it's really all about is the good news. If you will turn in your bulletin to the sermon outline page, you will find the handy-dandy outline this morning. The first thing we must do with the good news is we have to believe the good news. We have to believe the good news. We have to understand just how good news how good of news this really is, this indescribable gift that God has given to us. Like I said, in John 14, 6, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. There's no way to the Father except through me. And Acts chapter 4, verse 12 says, there is no other name under heaven by which we can given to us by which we must be saved other than the name of Jesus Christ. Okay? This, good, this news is so very good. It's so amazing. And all we are asked to do is believe it. To believe that to believe about ourselves that we are sinners, I talked about that before, to believe about us that we are sinners, and to believe that there is this God of love, this God who gave his son on the cross for our sins, this God who loved us enough that Jesus died for us, and it's all a result of his incredible, indescribable love, this indescribable gift, as the Bible says, this indescribable gift of love has been given to every single one of us. You know, I, I walk around, and I see so many people s- struggling and just beaten down. It was interesting driving down the road in Gatlinburg and, and looking at the crowds of people, just tons of people walking up and down the street. There's just people everywhere. And the, the one thing that they all had in common, none of them were smiling. They're on vacation. I mean, this is a resort, a tourist trap if there ever was one. People are there on vacation. They are there to rest and relax. And none of them look like they're having a good time. There's all kinds of stuff to do. There's all kinds of fun to be had. And everyone's miserable. And it just looks that way. And the Christians, when it comes to the good news, either we've heard it so much or we don't believe it because we don't look like we believe the good news. There's good news, folks. There's wonderful news. God loves you so much that he didn't want to spend eternity without you. That's how much God loves you. He said, I will, I will let my only son be tortured and killed so that I can spend eternity with you. With you, Sean. With you, Janice. With you, balcony people. With all of you folks. Everybody on planet Earth, I want to spend eternity with you so I will give my son to die for you. And that is exactly what happened we got to believe it. If you've never put your faith and trust in Jesus, you've got to do it. You've got to understand where you are in relation to God, and you've got to understand where he wants you to be in relation to him. If you've never thought about faith, if you've never thought about putting your faith and trust in Christ, I want you to talk to me. Give me a call. Knock on my office door. Knock on my house door. Call my cell phone, 219-895-6692. Give me a call. Let's talk about faith. Let's talk about these issues so that you can get 
you can get this gift. You can get this wonderful gift of love because you've got to have it. You've got to have it. You've got to have it. You've got to believe the good news. Second, you've got to spread the good news. We have got to spread the good news. Did my picture not show up? There it is. Spread the good news. We've got to spread the good news because if we don't spread the good news, people die in their sins and people go to hell. It's just, a lot of preachers don't like to talk about hell. They want to tell you how wonderful and sweet and super special you are and how God is this great big teddy bear in the sky and he just wants to be close to you and hold you and all this stuff. Nobody wants to talk about the fact that people who die in their sins go to hell. Okay? I mean, it sounds nice to hear messages about how, how God wants to prosper you and how God wants to, to bless your socks off, and I believe that he does, and, and that God wants you to be rich and wealthy, that I don't believe necessarily. But what I do believe is that people who die in their sins don't go to heaven, and that is the, that, that is the impetus. That is the fire that must burn within God's people. That as we, when you walk out of this building today, you will lay eyes on people who, if they were to get hit by a bus, would go to hell. They would not go to heaven. There are people, good people, people that we know, people who do nice things, who don't kick their dogs. There are people that we know who will die in their sins and go to hell if we do not at least give them the opportunity to hear about the good news of Jesus Christ. What do we do when we hear good news? You tell somebody, right? I mean, you tell somebody. I, here's, here's an example, okay? My, my little nephew, Hudson, is going to turn a year old in about seven weeks. That's him right there. And on Father's Day, we went over to my brother's house, and my sister-in-law very slyly goes, Hudson, you look warm. Let's take off your little shirt here. And he had a little onesie on, and I don't know if you can see what it says. You can't, but it says, Big Brother 021312. Big Brother 02-13-12. On February 13, 2012, Hudson is going to become a big brother. And it was their way of telling us that they were pregnant. And everybody was all excited and happy. They, you know, and I, what did I immediately do? I took this picture with my cell phone. I took the picture with my cell phone, and I text messaged it to Shannon because she wasn't able to be there because she didn't feel good. And I text messaged it to my sister in, Mar- in, uh, in Middlebury, Indiana because she wasn't able to be there. As soon as I found out that my brother and sister-in-law were pregnant, well, my sister-in-law was pregnant, my brother's not, but as soon as I found out that they were pregnant, I wanted to spread the news. I wanted to tell somebody, oh, it's so great, it's so wonderful, they're going to have another baby, yay! I, I <laughs> Good news is hard to contain. Look at our bumper stickers. Look at the bumper sticker. On, how many of you have a bumper sticker that says, my child is an honor student? How many of you have a bumper sticker that says, my child beat up your honor student? (laughs) Good news is hard to contain. Look, how many of you are on Facebook? There's a lot of us on Facebook. What do you read on Facebook in your status updates over and over again? Good news. I got a new job. We bought a new house. We're having a baby. So-and-so made the honor roll. I'm going to be a grandma for the first time. Yay. It's, all, it's good news all over the place. There's some bad news, but for the most part, good news is hard to contain. We want to tell everybody all about the good news. I got good news, folks. I got good news for you. I got good news for me. I'm going to heaven. Hey. I hope you're coming with me. That is good news. This is good news that we can't contain, that there is a way to go to heaven. 
This is good news that we must share, that we must spread. We must tell everybody the purpose of the First Christian Church is to love God, love others, and spread the gospel. That's what we're all about. That's what we do. We need to tell people about Jesus. Romans chapter 1. Let me tell you what the gospel is. Romans chapter 1, verses 16 and 17. It says, I am not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God for the salvation of everyone who believes. For in the gospel, a righteousness from God is revealed, a righteousness that is by faith from first to last, just as it is written, the righteous will live by faith. The gospel is the power of salvation. There is real power in it. So we gotta we gotta believe the good news. We gotta believe the gospel. We gotta spread the good news. We gotta spread the gospel. Last thing we gotta do is we gotta live the good news. We have to live the gospel out. We have to be the living embodiment of the good news of Jesus Christ. We have got to talk like Jesus. We have got to act like Jesus. We have got to think like Jesus. We have got to live out this good news of Jesus Christ. We have to demonstrate God's love on a regular basis. We need people to look at us and go, what is wrong with you? Everybody around me is so mean and irritable and angry and frustrated and guilty and and just and you are different. What's going on? Why are you so different? You may lose friends, you may lose family members, you may lose acquaintances, you may lose co-workers, you may lose a job, you may lose your life. Will you live out the gospel? It is offensive to people. That bad news part, people don't like bad news. People don't, people don't get excited about bad news. And when we go about spreading the gospel, we go about telling people that the bad news first, because you've got to tell people the bad news, you're a sinner, you're far from God. But the good news is God wants a relationship with you. God, in His grace, wants to to be friends with you. He wants you to be His child. He wants to forgive you. That's the good news. When we tell people the bad news and the good news, they're going to be offended by that. They're not going to want to hear it. But people should notice that we're different. People should look at us and go, you are different. What is so different? What is so... Why are you so weird? It's because amazing grace has changed me. Amazing love has transformed me. It is this amazing grace of God and this amazing love that God has for me that has transformed my life, that has changed me from the inside out. God has put his Holy Spirit in me and I am a different person, not by my own power, not by my own strength, not, by, not because of who I am, but because of who God is and because of what Jesus did. I am transformed. I am changed. I am different because Jesus makes me different. That's what it's all about, my friends. That is what it's all about. There's a guy named Francis Chan who used to be a minister out in California in Simi Valley. He wrote a book called Crazy Love, and in his book Crazy Love, he talks about this guy named Dr. Nathan Barlow. Dr. Nathan Barlow gave up his life. He, he died after doing 60 years of missionary work in Ethiopia, treating people with a specific condition called mossy foot. Let me tell you what mossy foot is real quick. It is a condition that causes swelling and ulcers in the feet and legs. If you get mossy foot... You are treated like a leper. You are just you are banished from the community. And this guy spent 60 years treating people with mossy foot in Ethiopia. The amazing thing about him is he, he went home because his health was failing to live with his daughter in the United States. And after a couple of weeks, he said, I can't be here. I have to go back. I, have, I cannot be apart from those people. I care about them so much. And, and, and God loves them so much. I have to go back and do my work. And he went back. When he was... 
younger in, in his missionary work, he had a toothache and he had to be flown to the United States. And this is what he told the dentist. He said, I want you to pull all my teeth and give me false ones because I never want to have to come back here and, and leave my work for a toothache again. He was sold out. He was committed to the good news of Jesus Christ. And that good news of Jesus Christ transformed this man's life. It changed him and gave him such a passion to spread the good news and to love people in Jesus' name. That's what it means to spread the good news. It's more than just going up to strangers. It's more than standing on a street corner screaming at people. It is living out the gospel. It is loving people as Jesus loved them. We spread it not just with our words but with our lives. We need to believe the good news. We need to spread the good news. We need to live the good news. We offer an invitation every Sunday. And my question for you is, where are you today in relation to the good news? Maybe you heard it for the first time today. Or maybe it just it clicked for you today. Maybe for the first time you're like, oh my goodness, this is amazing. This God loves me and cares for me so much. He wants me to go to heaven. I get it now. The light bulb went on. What do I have to do? What I talked about earlier. You got to believe, you got to repent, you got to confess, you got to be baptized and go on to live a life of faithfulness. You've got to do these things. You got to obey Jesus. Jesus said to go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. If you've never been baptized, you've never been immersed, you need to be baptized. I'm telling you right now. So if you've never been baptized, if you've never put your faith and trust in Christ, we invite you to do that today. You've got to believe it. Second thing you've got to do is you've got to spread it. I want you to think of one person. Who is that one person that you know? Who is that one person you know that doesn't know Jesus and needs to know him? Who can you tell about Jesus this week or in the weeks to come? Pray for that person. Lift them up. Bring them to your mind right now. Father God, bring, bring people to our minds who we know that need to know Jesus. And may we pray for them that they will come to know him, that they will accept him as their Savior and Lord, that they will be baptized, that they will go to heaven. Who is that person? How can you talk to them about Jesus? Finally, we need to believe it. We need to spread it. We need to live it. What is one act of love that you can do this week? Is there an act of love that you can commit? Is there an act of love that you can perform for somebody that will open up a door for them to hear about Jesus? What is that one act of love? Who is that person that needs to be loved more than anybody in your life that you know they need Jesus' love this week? Who is that person and what can you do for them? How can you live the gospel for that person. That's my challenge to you today. Do you need to be baptized? Do you need to put your faith and trust in Christ? Who can you talk to about Jesus? And who can you love in Jesus' name? It's all about the gospel. It's all about the good news. And my friends, the news <laughs> is really, really good. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for the opportunity to talk about the good news today. And I pray that, Lord, you would bring these people to mind who, who need to hear about Jesus. And I pray for those who, who may be hearing about him for the first time or, or may be putting their faith in him for real for the first time or may want to get baptized. And Lord, if today is the day, then let's do it. Bring them forward. I pray that, Lord, you would change us, that you would help us understand just how good news, how good this news really is that we would understand exactly how bad we are and how good this news is and that we may spread it all around so that the world may know, that the world would hear and know 
that Jesus is the Christ, your son, who died on the cross for our sins. Thank you for his wonderful gift. And we pray this in his name. Amen.